You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Launch Out. Hello my radio friends. I'm glad you've joined me today for another program in the series Give Me the Bible. I consider it a real privilege to have the Bible, the Word of God, as a guide to living. As well as that, it tells about the supreme being in the universe, God, who made mankind and loves us despite our faults and sinfulness. There is no better book than the Bible. It is timeless and has been the inspiration of people down through the ages, and it continues to inspire even in this modern, ever-changing, secular age. Today, I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and from verses 1 through to 11. It says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. As he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Here we have Jesus coming to an area at the lake of Genesaret, a freshwater lake on the Jordan River 
north of the Dead Sea. It was also called the Sea of Galilee. Crowds followed Jesus wherever he went. On this particular day, there were some fishermen who had been fishing all night and caught nothing. So they came to shore and were there getting the water weeds out of their nets. Jesus stepped into one of the boats and asked the owner, Simon Peter, to take him a little bit offshore so he could talk to the gathered crowd better. When Jesus finished speaking, he said to Peter, to launch out into deep water and let down the net he had been cleaning. Surprised at being told this, Peter remonstrated with Jesus telling him that they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. Yet, at the same time, he did as he was asked because he knew who Jesus was and trusted him. The net was lowered, and as Peter was pulling it back into the boat, to his utter surprise it was full of fish, so much so that it began to break. Peter and probably his brother Andrew called out to their partners who were still at the shore to come with their boat and to help with the catch. The fish were then loaded into the boats, and both boats were so full and low in the water that waves lapped over the sides. Never in their lives before had these fishermen ever such had an enormous catch. The men were amazed, and Peter knelt in front of Jesus. Full of wonder and emotion, he said, Go away from me, Lord for I am a sinful man. The Bible does not say what happened to the fish. Perhaps they were given to the large crowd of people who had been following Jesus. Maybe other family members came and sold the fish. We just don't know. Instead, the Bible tells about the men. Jesus told them that they would stay in the fishing business but from now on, they would become fishermen of people. The partners in the fishing business, Peter and Andrew, his brother, James and his brother, John, all became disciples of Jesus. There are some very special points to be drawn out of this story. Things that apply to us in our day. Things that may very well apply to you. Maybe your life has been a bit like the fishermen. They had been fishing all night, going through the motions, lowering their nets, pulling them up and getting nowhere. You, like me, might have done some fishing and it's not much fun when there are no fish where you're fishing and you get no results. In fact, it's disappointingly boring. Perhaps you feel that you're going through the motions of life, doing all the necessary things, and getting no satisfaction or reward from what you're doing. If you feel like that, you have plenty of company. On the other hand, 
you may be stuck in a rut in your spiritual life. Maybe you don't know what you should do and commit your life to Jesus. I should read that again. Maybe you do know what you should do and commit your life to Jesus, but just haven't done it yet. Maybe you are convicted of some truth, such as keeping the seventh-day Sabbath, but feel that there will be opposition from your family or that you'll have to give up something you enjoy doing. As a result, like the fisherman in the story, you are going nowhere. Just the same old round of things day after day. No excitement, no challenges, no big decisions. What brought about the change with the fishermen? Jesus told them to launch out into deep water. You may have noticed that Peter spoke up, suggesting that it would be a waste of time considering the utter lack of results during the night. But he agreed to do it on the basis that Jesus told him to. Now, when you know something is right, that may not be sufficient motivation for you to do what is right. For example, you may know that the road rules state that 60 kilometres per hour is the speed to drive at in a certain area. But that's not enough motivation for most people to keep to that speed. There has to be a much more powerful reason to keep to the limit. The reason in this case is a speed camera or a police officer and the consequent account attack on the account in your bank. Children sometimes question why or why not they should follow a particular course of action. In some cases a parent might answer a child by saying, because I said so. Peter did what he was told on the basis that Jesus said so. So what about you? When you know what is right, what will motivate you to do it? You should do it because the word of God says so. Now, it's one thing to say to launch out and quite another to do it. It takes courage to follow up on certain decisions. For example, it takes courage to dive into cold water. It takes courage to leap out of a window of a burning building. It takes courage to propose. And it takes courage to follow the Lord. But don't be too dismayed. One of God's promises is that he will be with us as we take a decisive step to follow him. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. All of you who hope in the Lord is the promise found in Psalm thirty-one twenty-four. And Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the world. And that's from Matthew twenty-eight twenty.
It took courage for David, the young shepherd boy, to face that enormous giant, Goliath. It took courage for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to tell King Nebuchadnezzar that they would not bow down to the golden image to worship it. It took courage for Elijah to face a nation of unbelievers and stand up for God. And it'll take courage for you to step out of your comfort zone and do what you know you should. We'll take a little break here and we'll go on straight afterwards. Just before the break, 
I mention this to you, that it'll take courage for you to step out of your comfort zone and do what you know you should. But what if you don't do it? How will you be remembered? Will people think of you as someone who had the courage to follow your convictions? Or will you be remembered as a wimp? Because Peter took Jesus at his word, a huge number of fish was caught. God is not mean. God will reward those who are willing to let go and let God work in their lives. The reward is bountiful. God is gracious and will give you more than you could have ever expected. The book of Acts in the New Testament records what happened to the Apostle Paul, who gave up his life of ease, comfort, prestige and plenty, and did what he knew he should. He became a missionary, spreading the gospel message of salvation in foreign countries. Certainly Paul did not have it easy then. He records all the hardships and persecution he endured in 2 Corinthians 11. Yet, despite all that, he was able to say, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellent and the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. That's found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul put things in priority order. The only thing that was really worthwhile having was Christ, to do the will of the Lord and have a close relationship with him. In AD 59 to 61, the Roman procurator of Judea was Porcius Festus. During his time in office, the Apostle Paul became the centre of an enraged mob of Jews who were unsettled because Paul had abandoned the Jewish traditions and become a Christian. At a particular time, probably about 60 AD, Paul was in Jerusalem and had attended the temple to carry out a vow he had made. He was recognised by some Jews from Asia who knew that Paul was the missionary who had been through Asia Minor, preaching that the only way to be saved was through Jesus Christ. A riot began and the Jews were about to kill Paul when Roman soldiers took command of the situation and took Paul away, putting him in prison for his own safety. Paul was accused of sedition, and knowing he needed a fair trial, appealed to the highest form of justice, to be tried by no other than Caesar himself. Paul was imprisoned there for about two years, and during that time, Governor Festus invited Paul to give his version 
of what led up to his arrest. But he found Paul not guilty of any crime, and so invited the regional king, King Agrippa, to hear what Paul had to say. Paul spoke to Agrippa about his life as a Jew, about his conversion, and the work he had been doing, sharing the good news of salvation. King Agrippa had a good knowledge of the Jewish ways, and Paul knew it. While Paul was making his defence to the king, he asked him a question. We can read it in Acts chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. He asked, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Agrippa replied, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Agrippa later stated that he saw no reason why Paul could have been guilty of committing a crime, but because he had appealed to Caesar, he must remain in custody for the time being. The point of telling you this story is because although Agrippa Agrippa knew what was right, that Jesus was the only way to salvation, he did nothing about it. He sat on the fence, unwilling to commit his life to Jesus. How's your fence sitting? Will you have the courage to do what you know is right? To do nothing is as bad as doing what is wrong. You need to get off the fence and get on side with Jesus. After all, he risked everything to save you. Agrippa procrastinated, put it off till later. But later never came for him. He died never having committed his life to Jesus, although at times he felt he should. Don't you be like Agrippa. You need to make a positive move and commit your life to the Lord. If you don't, eternal life will not ever become a reality for you. In the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 18 is the story of Elijah the prophet on Mount Carmel. It was a showdown between Elijah the prophet of the Lord and the priests of Baal. There were many people gathered together to see what would happen. Elijah addressed the people with a challenge. We read it in verse 11. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The Lord answered Elijah's prayer in the most dramatic manner. There was no answer by the idol Baal. Later, as recorded in verse 39, where it says, Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. If you'd been in that crowd back then, I wonder what you would have done. 
Would you have announced that you would serve God? Or would you have remained silent? But what of the here and now? Do you have the courage to say to yourself, Yes, I will serve the Lord. I will do what I know is right. I will launch out into deep waters. And I am determined to accept Jesus as my Saviour and do what he wants me to do. If that's your decision, may God bless you. To finish today, I want to read to you two blessings from the book of Revelation. The first one is from chapter 22, verse 7, where it says, Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And the second is from the same chapter, chapter 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city, that is, to heaven. The operative words in these two statements are keep and do. And that involves a decision a commitment. I pray that God will give you the courage to do what the Word of God tells you to do and to stick by that decision, although you may have to face opposition. After all, it'll be worth it, worth much more than you could ever dream about. Well, that's it for today. Till next time, I wish you God's blessings and courage, courage to do what is right. Sometimes I'm up and sometimes